Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and thank you for joining us in Luke 21 Radio. We are studying the letters to the seven churches of Revelation, and today we're in the letter to the Catholic Church in Smyrna. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. This is a very brief letter, even amongst the other six letters. The letter to Smyrna is just 131 words, that is, if you translate from Greek into English. But this short letter is a perfect passage to learn how to interpret the entire book of Revelation. Because here's the question. This is the big question. How do you interpret a prophetic letter? This is a prophetic letter. The popular way that you'll hear on the airwaves is that all seven of these letters are future predictions about the course of church history. In other words, each letter is a subsequent period of church history. And as I mentioned last time, both Protestants and Catholics tend to do this. Or the second way to interpret a prophetic letter is that these letters are prophetic corrections and encouragements to first century Catholic churches. Now, because you would interpret them historically, the second way, doesn't mean they're without profound implications and applications for today, but you interpret them according to the historical situation. And a prime argument for doing it this way, this is the way you interpret any passage in any book of the Bible, an epistle, gospels, Acts, Old Testament poetry like Psalms or Proverbs, you look at the historical situation, determine the meaning of words and the intent of the passage by its historical setting, and then you apply it to today. And it's a mistake to think that prophecy is solely about the future. Listen to Cardinal Ratzinger, who obviously became Pope Benedict XVI. He asked, what is a prophet? A prophet is not a soothsayer. The essential element of the prophet is not the prediction of future events. The prophet is someone who tells the truth on the strength of his contact with God, the truth for today, which also naturally sheds light on the future. In other words, a prophet prophetic letters in the book of Revelation is bringing truth for that situation in that day. But he says it obviously has implications for the future because as you interpret it historically, then you can see how it works in a real setting, and then you translate that into a setting we have today. I made the mistake yesterday while driving to work of turning on 
a Protestant radio station. Actually, I like to listen to Protestant radio stations, uh, particularly on the prophetic teaching, because I like to know what people are getting, and I realize that many Catholics, too many Catholics, are getting their prophetic understandings by listening to Protestant radio stations. And I was listening to the radio, and I was going to turn it off and kind of pray the rosary on the way to work, and then all of a sudden, the guy said, oh, we're going to study the seven letters in the book of Revelation. Well, I couldn't turn that off because we're in the, right in the middle of studying this. And then the first thing he said, these were letters to actual historical churches. And I go, oh, my goodness, this is great. I can't believe what I'm hearing. And then he says, these seven letters were real, actual historical correspondences. I thought, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe this guy's going to get it. And then he went off. He, with that little bit of, uh, yeah, these were historical letters. Then he went off on the seven ages of the church, and it was the most butchered summary of church history I've ever heard in my entire life. Of course, he slammed the Roman Catholic Church because he criticized the church of Ephesus because they had problems. This poor man didn't realize that Jesus had problems amongst his 12 disciples. The early church in the apostolic age, if you read Paul's epistles, had problems. So there were some problems in Ephesus. Couldn't be the true church. That's, that's a whole subject in itself. But then he moved to Smyrna. Oh, this is the beginning of Roman Catholicism. And of course he slammed Catholics, and I was quite prepared for that. But then he got to the church of Sardis, which is, this is the church of the Reformation. And guess what? He slammed that period of church history. You know why? Because the reformers, the Protestant reformers, didn't believe in the rapture the way he did. Let that be a lesson to you. To me, this is an argument against rapture. Even the Protestant reformers didn't believe in this butchered form of eschatology or understanding uh, prophetic history to have this rapture at any moment. There's two ways to interpret the Bible. The proper way is called exegesis, and it's a fancy name, but the Greek preposition ex, like if you're in any building right now and you look for the exit sign, that ex is the Greek preposition just to go out. And the idea in exegesis is that you go to a passage of Scripture and you draw out from the Scripture its meaning. The opposite of exegesis is a term called eisegesis, which means into. Instead of drawing out the meaning, you're putting your spin, so to speak, on top of Scripture. And that's what I heard this butchered summary of church history and using these seven historic letters. Yeah, he just said they're historic, and then he goes off in just chaos. And yet, I'm sure 99% of the people listening to him, without perhaps a background in church history, swallowed it. So it's incorrect to think that if it's prophetic, that it must be exclusively futuristic and predictive. It can be futuristic, but it has to be futuristic while based on historical setting. Now let's talk about Smyrna. This is the city the Catholic Church that this letter was written to. It was a harbor city, 35 miles north of Ephesus, not too far away. Remember, we're on the, the mail route here. And Smyrna 
is a very, very unique church in that it was home to one of the greatest Christian men who has ever lived in the entire history of mankind. His name was Polycarp. Polycarp, perhaps, would have been in the congregation when they received from St. John was exiled to the island of Patmos and sent this letter to Sardis, St. Polycarp, in high probability, was in the congregation when the book of Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8, in other words, a letter to Smyrna, was read for the very first time. St. Polycarp was born in around the year 69, and he lived to 155. And so this book, Book of Revelation, maybe written in the 90s, could have been written a little earlier. St. Polycarp, in all likelihood, heard this book read, and he's a key link in the chain of truth from Jesus to us today through the history of the early church, because Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna, but he also knew the apostles. He heard the apostles' teaching. He was made bishop by St. John. So if you think of this, you have Jesus and and dying around 30 AD, the apostles uh, living, St. John probably the last, till about 100. And then you have Polycarp from 69 to 155. So what Polycarp was is the link between the first century of the early church and the second century of the early church. In other words, he had the very words and teaching of the apostles in his ears to carry on to the second century church. And unlike these phony baloney uh, butchering of church history, rapture teaching about these seven successive ages, and and it was the Roman Catholic period, Polycarp was such a great and outstanding man, because if you read his the account of his martyrdom. It's called The Martyrdom of Polycarp, one of the greatest writings from the early church. It'll only take you 10 to 12 minutes to read, and you can get a copy of that. There's a book entitled Early Christian Writings. It's available on Amazon. It's a Penguin Classic paperback, Early Christian Writings, and then you'll find The Martyrdom of Polycarp, in there. And you can you can also go online and find the martyrdom of Polycarp for free. It's it's really worth reading because what happened to Polycarp, he ended up being a martyr. It was very similar to the threatening situation developing in Smyrna earlier when John wrote this letter. So you can see Jesus was warning of things about to come in Polycarp's day, they actually came. And If you're a member of Amazon Prime, which I understand just about everybody in the universe is a member of Amazon Prime these days, you can go to the Amazon Prime movies, and there's a free movie about Polycarp. Now, it's not a um, Indiana Jones or a Luke Skywalker kind of big fancy production, but it's a historical account of what happened later in this very church that we're looking at now. And so I urge you to get a hold of that. Jesus says further down in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, speaking to this group, he says, don't fear what you're about to suffer. The devil is about to throw you 
some of you into prison that you may be tested for 10 days and you will have tribulation. Now, of course, the rapture people tell us we won't have tribulation. We'll just be taken out of the world before tribulation. Well, Jesus said for 10 days they will have it. Now, what's this 10 days of tribulation that they will have? Well, let's think back. What did I tell you was an outstanding tool for interpreting the Old Testament? Excuse me, I gave it away. (laughs) What's the outstanding tool for interpreting the book of Revelation, which is the Old Testament? And 10 days, if you go to the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible and look at the cross-references in the middle of the page, or if you read the Navarre Bible, or if you read the great commentary on Revelation by Dr. Peter Williamson in the Baker Catholic Commentary, or if you read uh, Dr. Beale's commentary, the New Testament's use of the Old Testament, all of these will say it refers to Daniel chapter 1, verse 12 through 15, where Daniel was tested, just like Jesus says, you're going to be tested for 10 days. Well, Daniel and his friends were tested for 10 days about eating the king's food. And the idea was the king's food was offered to idols. So it was connected with idolatrous worship. And to eat at a table with the king was symbolic in the ancient Near East of giving complete loyalty to a king who's claiming to be God. Now, this is the historical situation, Daniel chapter 1. And it was repeating itself, you see, in a historical situation in Revelation chapter 2. And if you want to interpret historically, it doesn't mean it's stuck back there. I believe we're going to see in our modern world the same thing, sovereignty and worship. Somebody's going to be claiming divine qualities and requiring worship. And the very simple answer is, I refuse in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord and King of the universe. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.